This is the Weather Lounge here at Weatherworks. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Weather Lounge, your favorite go-to podcast about the weather. I'm your host, meteorologist Brad Miller, and I would like to thank you for joining us at our Weatherworks headquarters here in Hackettstown, New Jersey. And joining me, as always, is my tremendously talented and gifted co-host, meteorologist, Mike Mahalik. Hey there, Mike. Hey, Brad. And again, you've outdone yourself with the descriptions uh, for myself. Yeah, I know. I, I, I enjoy the new ways that you're doing this, but uh, uh, I got to say, maybe we should use those descriptions for our guests. Yeah, well, we've got a real special guest. And you know what, Mike? We are now deep into summer and we're getting towards, can you believe it, football season. I mean, it's not that far away. And our guest today is very affiliated with the NFL and he decided to drop by the lounge. Yeah, I mean, I'm super excited. I am a uh, Philadelphia Philadelphia Eagles fan. Um, and who we have on the program today is Tony Leonard. And he's the director of grounds for the Philadelphia Eagles. So really excited to talk to him because he's going to explain all the different ways that weather affects his fields that he cares for. I mean, we're talking about Lincoln Financial Field. We're talking about the NovaCare practice facility. And yeah, I mean, and it just so happens, you know, WeatherWorks, we provide those forecasts uh, for the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, so they can make adjustments to their plans. So it, it's going to be a really great conversation. I can't wait to get started. Yeah, I mean, uh, on top of uh, the uh, the forecast, you know, we monitor lightning and severe weather and heavy rainfall for them as well. So it's uh, it's going to be a very uh, interesting uh, podcast today, and uh, you know, we're going to get right to it. I think uh, right after the break. Yeah. So rather than us jabbering on anymore uh, with just Brad and I, um, yeah, let's take that break. And then right after the break, we'll bring in Tony Leonard, the director of grounds with the Philadelphia Eagles. Heads up, it's time to renew your subscription for certified snowfall totals. Don't get left behind with unreliable information. Get the facts with WeatherWorks. We take pride in the accuracy of our post-storm snow and ice totals and will always provide you with the weather details that matter most. Don't wait for the first winter storm. Renew now and get ahead of the pack. Visit CertifiedSnowfallTotals.com today or call us at 908-850-8600. Welcome back to the Weather Lounge. I'm again your host, meteorologist Brad Miller, and today we are very fortunate to have our next guest. He is the Director of Grounds for the Philadelphia Eagles, Mr. Tony Leonard. Welcome, Tony, and thanks for stopping by here at the Weather Lounge. Brad and Mike, thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to it. It should be a a fun podcast and talk about the weather and how it affects everything we do every day. Yeah, I mean, Tony, again, thanks for coming on the program, and hey, um, Let's get a little background about yourself, Tony. Um, how did you even get into this uh, whole uh, directors of gr- director of grounds here for the Eagles? How did that all come about? So I, uh, when I was at Penn State, I was, I was in uh, turf grass science. And turf grass science, a lot of us went on to be golf course superintendents. And I took that road less traveled. I went into the sports fields and, um, you know, I just went that route. I did an internship with the Baltimore Ravens. Um, fell in love with the sports fields and, um, you know, I graduated in 1997 and then it was in 99, I came on board with the Eagles and been here ever since. Wow. Wow. That's great. I'm glad that you're a Penn Stater because I'm a Penn Stater too. I went there for meteorology. 
Um, so I like to call it the best school uh, for meteorology out there. I know some people won't like that, like Brad. Uh, no, I mean, I got, well, I got accepted <laughs> to Penn State. I told you the whole story. I, they wouldn't let me go to main campus until I was a junior. So the only in-state school at the time was Millersville for meteorology. So I went there. Uh, good time. But yeah, that was one of the one of our classes is part of the uh, turf grass curriculum. We had to take a class in weather and meteorology. Oh, cool. that, that was one of our yeah, classes we had to take. It was it was, a, it was an intro. We learned a lot. Um, still try to use it to this day. But uh, it's definitely a it's a science. It is a science, and it's uh, not exact, but it's uh, I feel for you guys and giving out these weather forecasts. And it's always there's always fine lines, but we do appreciate everything you guys do. Yeah, and 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 you know, and if Tony ever need a job, we're over here at WeatherWorks. <laughs> Since you took an intro class, you know. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Um, I think you're doing just fine over there with the uh, the Eagles and the director of grounds there. So. Let's get right into this, Tony. Um, we want to relate weather and, and how it affects your field prep. So, you know, the weather impacts the field all the time, I'm sure. So let's talk a little bit about that. Like, how about for one, what's the biggest weather thing or, or biggest weather condition that impacts your fields? Well, I think number one would be rain. Um, you know, rain, whether it's a practice, whether it's the, you know, during a game, it could be during a pregame, you know, there's so many different things that rain can affect. And all of our fields are sand-based, so they are designed to drain anywhere from, you know, six to 10 inches per hour. And that's, you know, that's kind of, you know, jaded a little bit, um, re- probably more realistically, it's, um, it's a little bit slower than that, but it can take a lot of water. And we've had games where it's rained a tremendous amount and the field took it very well and we were able to go out and play. Uh, the NFL does have a rule in place that we do have to tarp our field um, if there is rain within 24 hours of kickoff. Uh, we have the ability to uh, consult with the league. If we feel it's so humid that putting a plastic cover over the field would make the field worse. Um, so we can do that. So that there's, so there's a lot of decisions that have to be made such as humidity and, you know, wind and, and the temperatures and the timing of the rain and the timing of the game. And when we think the rain's going to move out, how much rain our meteorologists are saying we're going to get. Um, so there's a lot of factors that uh, go into place there. But, I mean, at our practice facility, again, those fields drain very, very well. But the biggest factor, obviously, is the, is, is the timing of the rain and when it comes. So we do know it's going to rain. It's just a matter of when and how it affects practice and how it affects games. Take us through that a little bit. I mean, what are the differences if you're going to have a very dry day or if it's been very dry or a very wet day? Like, how do you do you prep the field differently um, based on those conditions? Um, how does it change? Yeah, so a lot of it, you know, will re- will revolve around the time of the year. You know, if, if we're in August, um, you know, we have a seven o'clock preseason game and it's humid. We haven't had rain in a couple days. When do we water? We have to water the field. The n- we could water the night before. We never want to get into a situation where we get into the stadium, you know, seven, eight hours before kickoff and the field's dry at that point because we know that we can't water now and we have to wait until after the game to put water on it. So we want to make sure the grass is at its healthiest. We do take a lot of uh, moisture readings of the field 
leading up to the game. Again, that's part of our uh, one of our NFL protocols that we do for the field. Um, so we so we're always monitoring the weather conditions and the and the and the uh, soil conditions. So if we do need to add water the day before, we can do that. And then as you get into October, it's again you're looking at the humidity and the temperatures and kickoff and what's best for the field. Sometimes we do like to have it a little bit on the wetter side. No, I wouldn't say wet, but we don't want to try and we and, and we don't want to see it dry out during the game. Once players take the field, players are out on that field three hours before kickoff. And so you take three hours before kickoff wow. a three to three and a half hour game, you know, that's that's a long time, you know, six, seven hours, especially at for a, a one o'clock game, we won't be able to get that field until you know, six, seven o'clock at night after the game's over, after the TV crews pack up, after all the people are done cleaning ar- around the field and we can start to get water on, on the field. So there's just a, lot, a lot of things there that we have to deal with when it becomes, you know, we don't want it to be too dry. We don't want it to be too wet. We just try to find that happy medium in between. So Tony, how do you prep the field differently based on it? going to be a wet day or a dry day or, or what changes when you have that uh, condition? So if we, if we look at the, you know, if, when we start looking at the forecast, we're looking days out and we're monitoring, you know, is it going to be, if, if we see rain in the forecast, um, again, depends on the time of the year. If it's early in the season, middle of the season, late in the season, we could be tarping if it's later in the season just to keep it drier. Um, but if it's early on and we see we're going to have rain, you know, during the course of the game. Um, we try to dry the field down as much as possible. We, we, we won't run irrigation leading up to the game. We'll try to make it as dry as possible. And then there's a few other little tricks of the trade. I mean, there's a, a thing called a, a wetting agent that, that we can spray that'll actually help the field drain faster. Um, so, we, so, so we can apply that. And then, you know, prior to the game, you know, a day or so. So we've done that at a few times. We also have a vacuum system in, in the field that, that called Subair that uh, we can vacuum moisture out of the field too. So there's, there's those methods. And then as we get into the drier part, you know, we can always water the field, uh, I would say within 24 hours of, of kickoff. We never want to be able to walk into the stadium and see our fields dry as players are starting to walk out onto the field because we're never going to be able to get that field back until two to three hours after the game's over, once everybody's off the field, the TV crews are all finished up. How, how does that even work uh, with those, you were talking about the wetting agent that lets the water drain uh, through the field. Is that correct? Yeah, it's a, um, yeah. Is so like oil or like, <laughs> I can't imagine you putting oil on there. It's almost like dish soap and it's almost like dish soap. And what it does, it'll just, it, it'll coat the sand particles, if you will. And it'll allow the the uh, the uh, water to move through a little bit faster. It's it's a very popular uh, amongst golf courses and sports fields. And you know every little every stadium has their own little trick to try to you know do what they can to make the field drain faster. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I think you and Brad have a little uh, similarities with uh, Brad being a former golf pro and stuff like that, and dealing with the golf courses a lot in those conditions. So um, yeah. I mean, there's not much you can do on the golf course. Well, well, but I mean, for, for you know, for the golf courses, it's, you know, uh, the golf course greens. If you can get those to drain out, you can right. open up your course, you know, with, you know, an hour or two before the course down the street. That that's a big 
that's a big plus. Um, you look at Augusta National. I mean, their courses. Right, I was just going to say, there's extremes to that, yeah. So, so they have the uh, the uh, sub air systems. They have the sub air there, right? So they so they try to vacuum out the uh, moisture there too. Yeah, and typical public courses that aren't going to go out and squeegee the greens like they do on the PGA Tour. No, they are not. They don't have the manpower for that. And look, it's it's you know when you look at the um, the millions of eyeballs on our field every Sunday, every every little thing that we can do, um, anything it could be from. If again, if we're expecting a lot of rain, if we need to aerate the field uh, prior to the game, just to help open it up a little bit and accept all that moisture, um, any little thing we can do to help uh, make that thing drain and make sure the players are safe. Um, that's what that's what we uh, strive for. You, you don't want to get those jet dryers out like they do in NASCAR and dry the field that way? No, we don't want to be driving around with jet dryers. And, and look, Brad, they're kicking that ball off at 1 o'clock regardless. They're not gonna, they're, there's not going to be a delay. Um, you know, the NFL, that's what I always, I always ask to the guys. I'm like, look, we just have to be ready because they're, they're going to be kicking the ball off. Whatever time that game time starting, that's what time they're going to kick it off regardless. Now, now, these drainage systems and things, that you were talking about, are they also on the practice fields too? Same sort of systems? So we do not have the sub air system on our practice fields, uh, but we do have a very intense drainage system along with the sand base field that'll cover three and a half football fields. So basically six and a half acres is, is, is sand based. So it does drain very well, you know, and again, to get our players outside is critical because we have, Early on in the season, um, we could have as many as, you know, I think it's close to 90 to 95 players um, on top of all your staff and coaches. And when you're outside, you can spread out. When you go inside, now you're contained into a into a 60,000 square foot uh, field, and it's hard for everyone to move around. So we have to do everything we can to get our players outside and, and again, keep them safe. I was going to say, uh, one other thing that intrigues me about, uh, you know, game time and, and prep time is, is the temperature. I mean, early in the season, you know, even into September, uh, some of the early games, you know, especially around Philadelphia, Southeastern PA, it gets hot still, humid. And sometimes they'll show that field temperature at 110 degrees. I mean, is that real? That really that accurate? I mean, is it that much difference between like maybe 85 in the stands and 110 on the field? Absolutely. And when you get into the synthetic fields, the synthetic fields on a day game, not, I wouldn't say, say so much. At yeah, I guess more so. Yeah, I guess it would be like a one o'clock. The day game, when that, when that sun reflects off of that plastic, I mean, those fields can get up to 130 degrees pretty quick. And, you know, as a player, you can feel it. Like when you walk out and you, you can feel it. And, you know, there's been a lot of strides, you know, in that industry to figure out ways to cool those fields down. They've looked at irrigation. And when you irrigate a field, when it's that hot, it becomes humid. Um, so, and it just burns it off. So, the, you know, they, they've been trying that. But yeah, the, the natural grass will still get hot. Um, we are Bermuda grass here in, in uh, Philadelphia, which is somewhat uncommon. It's, it's a little bit of a stretch from. Right. But at least it's natural. Though. Exactly. And, and it is cooler than the uh, synthetics. But no, I mean, you start the season. Look, we could be 90 degrees for that first game and we finish the season and it could be 10 degrees and snowing. So we go from you know, these two different extremes. But look, that's what makes the game great. That's what, uh, you know, I think it's it, it, it all plays into the elements. And, you know, I think it's um, it's definitely has its challenges. 
So, Tony, you hit briefly on the Bermuda grass, and that was one of our uh, questions. Is there uh, certain types of grass that you use um, for your fields that, that work better in the Philadelphia area? Maybe, you know, it, it changes uh, if you go further north or further south. So traditionally in this area, you like most athletic fields would be Kentucky bluegrass. Um, you know, maybe you know at a at a high school or a, a youth level, you're looking at tall fescues and perennial ryegrasses. But at, at the professional level, if you're a cool season grass, you're growing uh, Kentucky bluegrass. And we started out with that in 2003. Our practice fields were started out with Kentucky bluegrass when when uh, we opened up Novacare Complex back in 2000. And over the course of time, I won't get into global warming. I won't get into any of those things. But, um, you know, it seems like our summers are hotter. Um, they are, you know, it does, seems like it lasts a little bit longer with the heat. And I think along with that, we've had some great strides with universities in developing Bermuda grasses that are more adaptable this far north. So Oklahoma State uh, has been leading that charge with Bermuda grasses and in 2007 is when we made the change at our stadium to go Bermuda grass and we started out with one called Patriot and it it did very well it uh, grew in for us but you know over the course of the season we did some evaluations with it and the players liked it but we felt we could find a better one and you know, again, Oklahoma State kept putting out more and more. And, you know, here we are today. Our practice fields are 100% Bermuda grass. Our stadium's 100% Bermuda grass. And it's a variety called Tahoma. And, uh, again, that was put out by Oklahoma State. And it's a it's more adaptable for this area. Um, usually what you get with Bermuda grasses, and Brad, you might know this from your time at the golf courses, is you would get winter kill. And, the winter kill, it was detrimental, and that's what prevented Bermuda grasses coming this far north. But these newer Bermuda grasses are more cold tolerant, so you don't get those effects. So the Bermuda grass, it'll grow. It grows best in the uh, summer. It grows best when it's 95 degrees. It's humid. It's wet. It loves those. And, uh, you know, and I think it's just one of those things where the players love it. They would prefer to play on it. We can mow it shorter. Um, our cutting height during the season is three quarters of an inch. Um, so it, 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 it's a great service that the uh, right, players. As opposed to a more uh, winter variety grass like the bluegrass, which can't withstand the heat as much. So if you do mow it down too far, it burns out versus Bermuda, where you can take it down as low as you want. Correct. I mean, Kentucky bluegrass will be at like an inch, inch and a quarter with that um, at this level. But no, the Bermuda grasses definitely allow our players to perform better, I think. Um, it gives them a, a, a better surface. And during training camp, when our coaches and scouts are trying to evaluate talent, they want these players to be able to perform at the highest level that they can. And with Bermuda grass, that'll do that. I was going to say, but then that Bermuda grass starts to go dormant, though, what, midway through the season? Uh, usually about uh, October, November, but we are very fortunate to have a heat system uh, in our field. We do have a heat system. We have underground coils underneath the field that we're able to keep the root zone temperature, um, you know, at whatever temperature we uh, need it to be at. So it is a, it's a system that a lot of fields in the NFL have um, in the uh, quarter climates. Uh, that's very clever. Yeah. And, and again, you know, for some of our listeners, if they don't understand, you know, if, if you watch any golf and sometimes 
well, not sometimes really, if you watch some of the early season play, like February and March when they're out in the desert Southwest and you see the greens and the tees and the fairways are all green. That's because they put in a winter type variety grass. So it is able to grow still in the wintertime versus the Bermuda grass, which they just leave go dormant come November, December when it gets colder. And that's why you get that contrast between the yellow and the green. And it looks cool too. And they do that down south around Myrtle Beach because they know northern golfers are coming down and they like to see the tees and greens and fairways green versus the rough, which is still kind of dormant and, and gray. And then once it gets hot again, it kind of chokes out the winter grass and you're left with all Bermuda everywhere. So Exactly. And that's like with uh, with all with all sports fields that that are Bermuda grass, whether you're in you know college or the professional or even high school, we'll we'll always oversee um, you know the the uh, stadium field, and it just it's and it's more aesthetics than anything. Um, it's it, it's more aesthetics, and you know just we and, and that's how we mask that dormant brown color along with the heat system. We can avoid that. Yeah, I was going to say, that's sneaky with the heat system. You, you, you trick the grass. Hey, it's, yeah, I mean, it's 40 degrees out, but Bermuda's still growing. I'll tell you what, I mean, it, it, you know, technology has come so far where we can grow grass indoors, and I think they can do it pretty successfully. Um, we do have growth lights. We don't, um, but there are growth lights out there, especially they're very popular in uh, Europe where, the you know, the, the uh, soccer season's played very late into the into the winter months where their sun is not as 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 high in the uh, sky and it doesn't give as much uh, sunlight for the grass to grow so they have these growth lights and we have the irrigation systems and we have the heat system so you have everything you uh, need tony i was curious um for the grass the bermuda grass that you use is there a certain amount of rain that you need like per week to keep that grass healthy or a, or at least a certain amount of liquid that gets onto that field? So, you know, typically I would say about an inch per week. And again, there's a lot of variables there. There's humidity. Um, you know, when, it, when it's very humid, we don't have to water as much because the water is being trapped in the uh, soil. Um, but yeah, I mean, it can be somewhere around an inch per week, um, you know, give or take. And we and again, we monitor the grass. We have somebody looking after these fields seven days a week, um, whether, you know, it, it could be an intern, uh, could be one of our full time guys. But somebody will put their eyeballs on this field. And now we have technology, too, where we have soil moisture meters that we can put in the ground and we can just pull it up on our iPhones and we can see what the moisture is in the uh, soil. So we're able to use that as well as an indicator. I, that's amazing. I, I never would have thought that, yeah, you could pull it up on your iPhone and see how much moisture <laughs> is in that field. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people, a lot of people at home are, are thinking to themselves, well, man, how do I keep my lawn looking that nice? Well, there you go. You need moisture monitors um, exactly, on your lawn. Exactly. It'll solve all your problems. All right. Let's, let's move on to the fun stuff now. The fun stuff? Man. We've been talking all kinds of good stuff so far. Well, I mean, I'm talking about snow now. We everyone wants to talk about snow and football and you know games and you know so much stuff that you see. There's nothing better than watching. I'm it's the way it is. And if you're a football fan, there's nothing better than watching a football game, even if it's not your team. But you love to watch a game in a snowstorm. It's awesome. There's nothing worse than working a game <laughs> where it's snowing <laughs> and they're playing football. So I, <laughs> <laughs> I beg to differ. 
He's on the complete <laughs> other side. You know, there's it's like, oh, it's so great to see that. And Tony's like, there's nothing worse than that. No, but I, we, we uh, totally, I mean, look, I, I, I enjoy watching a game being played in the snow. It's just when you're on the other side of it, it is not pleasurable experience. Well, yeah, I mean, I can imagine. I mean, even with um, uh, our, our our forecasting and stuff like that that we do, you know, uh, when we're forecasting a storm, that's one of our stressful times. You know, it's our most stressful time. You know, everybody loves snow, and that's, and that's a and, and look, and, and that's a hard thing for us. I mean, we are look, we're in Philadelphia, and the temperature line is so temperamental and you know look you're you know east of 95 west of 95 and you know there's areas south and east and the areas north and west and the way the moisture blows in and then then you get these nor'easters where they blow these coastal storms up and you know you watch that temperature line and where does it go and you know and and i think my hats go off to you guys and the meteorologist It, it, it is it's very 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 difficult to try and pinpoint who's going to get what and when, um, you know, we look at it in the summertime. Hey, you know, you're supposed to get, you know, a quarter inch of rain while we get a half an inch of rain. Big deal. Right. It's, it's, it's fine. But in the wintertime when you're talking snow and you're off by a quarter inch, that can mean four or five inches of snow and everybody throws their arms up in the air. Like, Oh, what just happened? You know, how did you guys get this so wrong? And it's hard and it, and it is hard, but and even for the stadium, for us to ramp up for snow removal, um, you know, if we have a game and it's going to snow and it's 48 hours prior to kickoff and we're going to get 10 inches of snow, there's a lot of people up to 600 that we have to figure out a way to get them here. And to get snow out of the building, the goal is to get every flake out of the seating bowl because God forbid, we don't want anybody throwing snowballs. Um, We've got to get all the snow out off the field. And that includes, we can't just, you know, the goal is not to pile snow up along the side so people can't jump over the wall and land on a, you know, a a, a big pile of snow and then just jump onto the field. So, you know, uh, the goal is to get every flake out of the, out of the building. And, you know, to do that is it's a monumental task that our facility operations folks uh, coordinate, um, you know, and then trying to bring that many people in. Uh, we do utilize our full-time staff as team captains because they know the building so well. And, you know, you're, and it's, it's hard because you don't do it every year. You don't do it every week. It's, it's something you might do once every five years. Knock on wood, we haven't done it since 2013. That's true because they only have eight, eight home games, right? Hopefully more in January. That's oh, I was the goal. Say, didn't it, it went to 17 games for this upcoming season, correct? Yeah, yeah, it did. So, I mean, they tacked on a uh, an extra game at the at the end. We were all hoping they would have added it to the beginning, but they added it to the end. So, you know, of course, every stadium in the Northeast, you know, or even in the North, you know, it, it's you're, now you're going to experience that more often because now playoffs are going to be extended. And, you know, and again, the hardest part is because you don't do it every year and you don't do it every week. You have to dust off a lot of plans, a lot of equipment that is that we use specifically just for snow removal. So, Tony, you talked about your fields are heated. There's a heating system. Now, can that take a certain amount of snow and melt it down so it doesn't actually stick to the field or? We would have we would have to 
turn the heat system up so high to melt the snow, depending on the intensity, that it would probably create an, an unsafe condition. So as you're melting the snow, it's, 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 you're, it's just going to lay on the surface. And that's probably the biggest issue. It really, it doesn't really move down. It's not like a rainstorm where the rain moves through the soil. The snow would just melt and just lay there. Um, you know, we had, the, I guess the biggest one was our game against Detroit back in 20, I think that was 2013, um, where we had that game. And, you know, eight inches kind of fell out of nowhere. And, you know, we did the best we could with it. But, you know, the challenge was it was it, it fell and people are like, oh, you have a heat system. Yeah, but the heat system doesn't it wasn't designed to melt snow. It was just designed to keep the grass from freezing and to keep the grass from going totally dormant late in the season. You know, it's going to snow, let's just say. I mean, what's the thing you're most concerned about? Um, is it the player safety with slipping on the field? Is it keeping lines clear? I mean, what's the the biggest thing here? You know, at that point is keeping lines clear. I mean, we, you know, as soon as you see the forecast, we, you know, to kind of go through the process with you, then we end up, we, we consult with the NFL league office and they have a game operations department and we, and we work with them hand in hand. And um, so then once the game, you know, before the game starts, we'll, we'll meet with the officiating crew. They'll give us their directives as far as what do they want to have cleared. And, you know, for them, it's usually the sidelines, the end lines, the goal lines, um, the hashes on the inside part of the field. And, you know, just to make sure we keep we keep them safe as well as the uh, players. But for them, you know, like go back to that Detroit game, because that was probably our only experience with it was keeping all the all the uh, yard lines clear. And as the play goes to one end of the field, we work behind the play. And then during TV timeouts, we'll go out and we'll shovel or we'll use backpack blowers to blow off the off the snow as much as we clear the spot where they're going to kick a field goal. We're not allowed to do that. We are not allowed to do that. That was uh, <laughs> that, <laughs> that that happened in New England, right? That happened up in New England and Buffalo. And since then, we were not able to assist players uh, with any foot. Yeah, I think the it. guy was on work release from jail or something that weekend, and he came yeah, out he went his, out, he went out there on his on his tractor and his and his broom, and he brushed off a big area, and the players told him where to hit it, and that's what he did. The fans were cheering, and he kicked the winning. Then he kicked the winning field goal. <laughs> but we are not allowed to do that, unfortunately. <laughs> well. You know, switching gears to another uh, weather uh, condition, uh, I know you have spoken before about wind and how much that can impact your operations too. So many people might not think that. They're thinking the snow, they're thinking the heavy rain, you know, but they're not thinking about wind that much. Wind, yeah, the wind, I mean, it can be, it can really disrupt our operation. And uh, and I'll, I don't want to speak on behalf of anybody that has to maintain, you know, it could be a field or even could be on a golf course too. But, you know, the days where you have to go out, you have to spray. Um, the wind is a, plays a huge factor in that. But, you know, one of our biggest thing is like when, when we have to paint the field, um, you know, and the uh, wind comes in, you know, our stadium does host a lot of events. Um, we host Temple University's football team. So we'll go through and we'll have six games of Temple games this season. And, you know, we could have an Eagles game the next day. But following that Temple game, we have to repaint the entire field. 
So it's not like if you just have an Eagles game, you can work around that wind or you can work around the rain. When you have a Temple game on Saturday and the Eagles game Sunday, the field has to be repainted. You have to paint it right after the Temple game's over. So whether it's windy or not, you have to paint it. But when you're out there trying to paint and the wind's blowing, it's almost impossible. And it's it's such a challenge. We do everything we can, you know, little things like overspray. Um, you know, you don't want to be painting, you know, the end zones green and then you follow it up with black and the black oversprays into the green. Then you have to go back in and touch up the green. Well, then that blows into the white and then you have to touch up the white and that blows into the black. And, you know, you just feel like you're loosening your, uh, your uh, tail around. But, you know, the wind is probably one of the, you know, ag- again with rain, but wind can really uh, factor in everything we do every day you know it's it has something you know we have to look at the winds and we have to look at the rain i hope a lot of our meteorologists are 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 listening to this podcast too because you know it's 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 good to know all that information we're putting in there is being put to use in some way you know so it's it's not just the rain which is probably one of the most important but you know what that wind direction is is super important too and how strong it's going to be throughout the game i mean we had a game last year and and i was amazed how in tune the kickers and punters were and i mean look i know they go out and they kick pregame and they have an idea and they hey the wind moves here it blows here it blows there um we had a wind coming in <clears throat> out of the northeast during a game and our kicker and punter were there. We were talking about it. And they're like, we've never had a game since they've been here where the wind blew from that direction. And they were all to it. And they were talking about it. And they're like, well, it's going to blow here. And if if you're kicking it that upright, it's going to, you know, and they were out there and they were on top of it. And it was something I never even thought of. And But no, I mean, in those forecasts and the way the way our coaches and the way the players look at that, I mean, that's that's very important stuff. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I can't imagine these kickers nowadays. I mean, uh, it seems like everybody's kicking 40-plus yard field goals like it's no big deal. Um, I feel like maybe, you know, 15 years ago, that wasn't really the case. Um, hitting a 50-yard field goal was like, oh, my, yeah. wow, I can't well, believe that. point back just a couple of years ago, too. Yeah, they did. I mean, and look, I think the the punting game in itself has changed dramatically. And I don't want to get into, you know, like, oh, like a lot of the X's and O's. But, you know, a punter just doesn't line up anymore and just punt the ball as far as he can. Or if he's inside the 50-yard line, he just does a pooch punt. There are so many factors that go into that punt. And, and weather's one of them. And, 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 with the way, and, and with the way the wind's blowing. And you know, it's something I've been learning a little bit more about and like how they decide whether they want to do a pooch punt or whether they want to just try to pin them in here or there. I'll kick the coverage or, you know, try to let the cover guys cover depending on who they're playing. I mean, it's, it's really, it gets down to a, a lot of details. Yeah. So, so for those of you out there in the audience who are always on that kicker and putter, <laughs> you know, realize that there's more going on than just, I'm going to kick it. You know, you know, they're trying to kick it in a certain spot. They're trying to f- see what the wind's doing. So, you know, if he does shank it, you know, he was probably trying to, you know, put it in the perfect spot for the defense to make a play. Um, so there's a lot more going on there. Um, but you know, I think another thing, you know, moving from win would be the, I mean, is certainly an issue. I mean, here at, 
you know, here at Weatherworks, you know, we we try to, well, we do, we don't try, we monitor lightning um, for um, people like the Eagles and other facilities. And um, we try to give them warning uh, once that lightning gets closer and closer into the field and when they're going to have a, a potential for that strike to happen. Um, so it's all about safety, I'm sure. Um, but I mean, you could speak more to the lightning, um, but you know, we're on top of that for them. We're trying to do our best, uh, for Tony and uh, his crew. Well, and the, and the one thing about lightning, Mike, is, is we have to almost predict the lightning, if you will, because we can't just call the Eagles and say, Hey, it's, there's lightning on top of you. You got to do something about it now. You know, <laughs> you just don't do that. You have to kind of plan it. And, and, and we have, we have forecast techniques here at Weatherworks that, help us to predict where lightning can and when will happen in the short term. So, and that's the kind of word we have to get out because they can't just all of a sudden get work. I mean, Tony, I mean, how long do you actually need to usually clear a stadium out if there is lightning on the way? So that's the hardest part. And, you know, it's, there's, there's two, there's two things that go with that. And, and I know the guys in baseball deal with this too. Um, if there's any baseball guys listening, it's, the umpires, it's their decision or the referees to call the game because of the weather. They're on the field surrounded by concrete bricks and visual sight lines. We're seeing weather and lightning moving in. Hey, it's within four miles, five miles. Yeah. And we're getting text and alerts and whatnot. The umpire is probably use, using more visuals. And, uh, you know, once they see it, you know, unfortunately for the grounds crews on the baseball side, it's usually at the last minute. So they're out there during these storms trying to pull a tarp out onto the field. Um, you know, we have a little bit more, you know, I, I, we have a little bit more time because we can deal with the NFL and then the NFL league office. Um, they can they can contact the officiating crew. So can I. And we can let everybody know, hey, listen, here's what's coming. We know it's coming. Um, once we see it and, and lightning, you, it's like, just like you guys said, it, 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 how do you predict it? And, you know, especially on a hot, humid day, um, you know, it, it's hard to know when one flares up and just, you know, hits within two miles of the uh, facility. So to get, you know, the hardest part is, you know, is, you know, you have the players on the field, you want to keep them safe. They're easy to get on and off. They're easy to get. I was going to say they're easy to get on and off. It's the 50,000 people. Right. It's like, you know, we have 70,000 people here and, you know, you're trying to get them undercover. Well, where do you go undercover and how do you get them out of their seat safely and get them undercover? And so we have canned messages again with our event services staff and just the folks who work in the stadium who are frontline employees dealing with those, those customers each and every day or, you know, for each and every event that, you know, they're, they're, they are well-trained and they know what to do. Uh, and, you know, again, we don't go through it every game or, you know, you may go through it once a year, but they, they always do a great job of safely getting people undercover and getting them safe because that's what it's all about. It's about keeping them safe. You know, we don't want to be that facility or that building that, you know, has an unfortunate incident. And so we utilize, you know, all the technology and the, and the, and the communication that we have with Weatherworks. I mean, we'll be on the phone, you know, once an hour, if not more, trying to get updates on things like that. And it, and look, this is not only relates around football, this goes into our concerts and it goes into uh, other events that we do here at the stadium. You know, it could be 
a marketing event for a hundred people out on the field. And we're in constant, constant contact with Weatherworks and making sure that, Hey, look, it's not just the fans or, but you know, we have an event for 50 people. And again, we have to keep that. We have to keep them safe too. All right. Well, Tony, let's, since you started talking a little bit about other events and things like that, I think this is a good part to just take a quick break um, before we go into how you transition to, you know, other events from football over to say monster trucks or concerts or whatever it may be. Um, So let's just take a quick little break here. And then after that, we'll be back with Tony uh, to talk about those transitions. Have you ever needed weather data for a snow removal contract? How about a slip and fall incident? Searching for the information online may sound simple enough. However, it can be tedious and difficult. Good news! Our data and stats team can simplify the process. We'll find any weather information from daily rainfall and snowfall totals to hourly temperatures and seasonal averages. On the legal side, our forensic department routinely produces certified reports by meteorologists assessing the weather conditions on and around accident dates. So don't waste your valuable time. Give WeatherWorks a call today at 908-850-8600 or email us at data at weatherworksinc.com. Remember, when you think weather, think WeatherWorks. And welcome back to the Weather Lounge. We are still with our guest today, Director of Grounds from the Philadelphia Eagles, Mr. Tony Leonard. And uh, Tony, we've uh, already covered basically all the weather elements and you know how uh, and what goes into preparation before games and, uh, you know, just every type of weather that could happen, of course, leading up to game time. Now, let's let's shift gears a little bit and we'll talk about, you know, what else goes on at the stadium, you know, whether it's concerts. I know you guys do some Monster Jam. I mean, what goes into all that? I mean, the, the transition and going back and forth between a football field and maybe, you know, hosting a, a concert for Taylor Swift or something like that. Yeah, it's like, you know, being in Philadelphia, it's, um, I guess it's like a little bit of a blessing and it's like a little bit of a curse, depending on who you talk to. But we're in a popular area. I mean, we're in a major city where we are going to attract a lot of outside events, Um, whether it's concerts, whether it's NCAA lacrosse championships, whether it's monster trucks. And we have, you know, we have a fan base in 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 a location where there's a big appetite for those events and people will buy tickets and they'll show up in, you know, 30, 40,000 people, um, for these events. And so it usually starts out our year usually starts out with monster trucks, um, sometime in April or May, depending on how it fits in their schedule. But look, it's, you know, for me as a dad, um, of some young boys and it's, it is it is a dream, you know, to see these monster trucks and to be right next to them and hear them and feel them. And, you know, it was it was great for the kids to see them and and, you know, watch their faces light up a little bit. And, you know, that it, it, it's a fun event to be part of because the way the group works um, with the monster trucks is they'll come in on a Wednesday night. They'll drop 200 dump truck loads of dirt out on the field and they'll shape the dirt, they'll move their cars, their buses and whatever else they're, they're, uh, they're uh, going to crush. They'll build their ramps and all that'll be done Thursday and Friday. And Saturday's event day, the event kicks off at, you know, seven o'clock. It's over by 10, 10, 10 30. And Sunday morning, everything's gone. Just like that. Every, I mean, I'll, I'll pull in here, Sunday morning by, you know, 10, 11 o'clock in the morning, all the dirt's gone, 
plywoods off the field, the geotextiles off the field. And yeah, I mean, it is a very, it's a, you know, obviously it'll, it'll leave a little bit of a, uh, a mess behind the, in the uh, stadium, in the uh, seating bowl area, but they're a very professional group to work with. They're very quick uh, to get everything done. And we'll go through that. We'll have a little bit of field damage. It won't be a lot. Um, there's things that we can do agronomically um, to the grass that'll slow it down or keep it from starting to grow because it is in April or May. We can hold the grass back a little bit. Now, do you put do you put down some kind of protection though between the dirt and the field itself, or is it just dirt on the field and they go from there? So they'll use a geotextile first, and they lay that across the field, and then they do a single layer of plywood, and that is it. And that is it. And it, 200 triaxle loads will raise our field about 8 to 10 inches. So they'll have that much dirt to work off of. And now, look, there's not going to lie. There's been the occasional axle, you know, where, where the wheel broke off and the, you know, one of the axles will slam into the field and go through the dirt, go through the plywood and into the grass. But again, it's not a huge mark. It's easily fixable. Um, you know, for, and for the most part, we've had very good luck with them. Um, and you know, we, that can roll right into another event two weeks later and you would never know we even had monster trucks. And, uh, so that's, that's pretty cool. Is there, have you had any type of weather during those monster truck events that would have, you know, really made a problem? Like I could just see rain on a field full of dirt and ramps. You know, can't be good for everything. <laughs> you know, we've actually had rain during during one of the events, and it's not, you know, n- it wasn't a tremendous amount of rain. Um, they do run a water truck around a lot to keep the dust down and to keep it slick. Yeah, so, like, the rain is not necessarily a bad thing. It's just when you get too much rain. But knock on wood, we have not had um, – watching on TV, I've seen some of the motocross events where it has – downpoured and it, and it was a very very messy situation now you know look we've had concerts where we've had rain uh the worst time to get rain during a concert is believe it or not it's not i mean for me it's not during the show it's it's after or during the setup and you know a, a concert you know if we do a saturday night concert the the stage build starts on tuesday so they do a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday build. Friday is what they call production, where they move in speakers and lighting, and that's where all the decor and the you know the instruments and the stage setup happens. And you know then they'll do sound checks Friday night, Saturday morning, show day <clears throat> after the concert. Again, stage is broken down, production moves out. They're off the field within 24 hours. So there's uh, a lot of tractor trailers. A lot of forklifts, a lot of, well, I shouldn't say a lot, but you have two to three cranes out on the field dismantling the stage and dismantling everything. So there's a lot of traffic. So if you have, and we have had it, where it'll rain, you know, a half an inch to an inch of rain during that time frame, and it'll leave some destruction to the field afterwards. And, you know, again, we kind of know what to expect. And so we have to be prepared to fix that damage afterwards. And it, look, it can be anything from simple aeration overseeding, or it could be a total resod. And, you know, I'm unfortunately, depending on when the events occur, it could mean a total resod. And again, those costs are worked out. 
um, with the promoter and with the Eagles and the people that do all that negotiating. Yeah, I mean, uh, now when you have a, a concert, though, do you also put something on the field, too, um, to so that people aren't trampling the grass and everything? Yeah, so really, I, you know, it's everybody, you know, we, when we have some of these discussions, they're like, oh, well, you, we can just set up chairs or something out on the grass. Well, you really can't because there's a lot of equipment, uh, forklifts or pallet jacks or golf carts. And it could be just for, you know, concessions out on the field. It could be for merchandise sales out on the field. So yes, we do have a platform system that it's for pedestrians that allows sunlight to get through and still allows the grass to grow and breathe and allows water to drain through or, or beer or, you know, or whatever spilled. Um, you know, but then there's also a, a, a platform decking system that is meant for the heavier pieces of equipment like forklifts and cranes and tractor trailers that we can put out and you can drive all that stuff out there all day long and it will not, um, it won't indent the field, but it will eventually kill the grass because there is no sunlight getting through it at that point. So, so Tony, to put you on the spot real quick here, and I know we didn't really talk about this beforehand, but have you ever had like an impromptu event, like something that wasn't really scheduled or maybe a game got pushed to a different date and all of a sudden now you're scrambling to get this event going because whether it was weather or who knows with COVID and things like that. I mean, has there ever been like a non really planned event that you had to just kind of pull off? There has been. And I think, you know, knock on wood, we were, we were set up very well. We work for a tremendous, tremendous organization here at, at the Eagles where everybody chips in. Um, you have full support from the owner all the way down. And, you know, there's a lot of conversations that would take place. I don't think there was ever anything that was totally out of the ordinary where it was like we had. I'm just thinking like a playoff game or some kind of college game that got moved maybe to Lincoln Financial because they couldn't play somewhere else. Just kind of a situation like that. So, you know, we had a the blizzard against uh, Minnesota Vikings where we were scheduled to play on a Sunday night. And Sunday night game, the game got flexed actually from one o'clock, got flexed from one o'clock to eight o'clock. If we would have stayed in the one o'clock slot, we would have been perfectly fine. Um, So, of course, it goes to the eight o'clock game. Excuse me. And, you know, we have a blizzard and we end up moving the game to Tuesday night. So we had to remove snow. It gave us a little bit more time, which was helpful. But last year, there was a very unfortunate, or two years ago, there was a very unfortunate incident where there was a shooting at a local high school. And um, it was it was sad for that to even happen. But so they had to cancel the game. And for the safety of the players, the coaches, the fans, they we've decided as an organization to open up our stadium to finish the game. Oh, I do remember that. That was, yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, so it was an impromptu thing that, that, that the organization did, working with the city and working with the high schools and, you know, to bring those players in and bring a, a limited amount of fans into the building. Again, it was a football game. The field was lined out for football. Very easy. It was the right thing to do, you know. 
unfortunately that was the uh, it was the, the what happened was you know this was the result of an unfortunate situation like that but that was such that was such awesome i mean i just remember seeing about that i was like that that's so nice that the eagles did that i mean that was great yeah so i mean things like that you, you know as an organization we're part of you know just a we're part of the of a we're, we're part of this community and you know anything we can do to open up our doors and help situations like that um, you know, it's something that we've always done. It's ingrained in us. It's, it's in our DNA. And uh, that's some of the things that, that, that we would do. So that was, you know, that was like an impromptu thing. But, you know, I think for the most part, it's, uh, again, there's a lot of discussions. And, you know, there's a lot of planning that that'll go on. Uh, you know, we did a Kevin Hart comedy show uh, that, that, that was airing on HBO. We just thought it was going to be a comedy show. And that was it. We didn't know that there was going to be an HBO, you know, film being made that Kevin did. And he was very successful with it. And, you know, but again, you had to rearrange some things because when you went from just a comedy show in an NFL stadium to now a bigger production, it, it you know, it added like another day of having people come into the building to do some of the of the B-roll type stuff. And for him to do yeah. like a, almost like a dry run through. And, you know, uh, it, yeah. it was just, uh, it was, again, it was something, again, we, we did it with planning, but yeah, there are times where things do pop up that y- you agree to it. You say, okay. And then something else comes up. No, it's good to know that th- th- there's such, you know, a, a different setup for each of these different events and, you know, weather's being used um, well, before um for these setups so it's not just for the game or the event itself um it's for those builds and everything else but to get more on a little interesting topic um how about on the field itself i mean this is not weather related but has there been anything left behind on the field that's kind of interesting or i mean i don't know like there's always something left behind some of it's uh some of it's, you know, we, we try to keep it quiet, try to keep it PG or, you know, but I'll tell you what, the biggest thing, and I don't understand why players do this, but they wear a lot of jewelry during games and in a full contact sport like football, things are, are going to pop off your arm, your like a, a, a necklace, whether it's an earring, but yes, we have had uh, a player lost his earring um, out on our sideline area. So we were scouring the uh, scouring the sidelines um, looking for a diamond earring. Uh, we had a player recently refuse to take off one of his bracelets. And every game when he had a big hit, the bracelet would fly off and he would lose it and we would have to find it. And you would literally, you would see that. And I mean, it even got to the point where I would be watching whenever we had a game on the road, I would watch this player. And again, when he would make a big hit, I would see the bracelet go flying. And somehow he never lost it. He was able to always get it back. Um, But at some point you're like, can you just tape it up or just take it off? And, you know, it was one of those things. We actually had a coach lose. um, uh, It wasn't a Super Bowl ring. It was one of the NFC championship rings. Um, he actually lost it and he thought he lost it on the field. And this was after the game, after we vacuumed the field and we found ourselves outside digging through a pile of debris, looking for a ring 
that was never there on the field. It was found in a trash can up in the coach's booth. <laughs> so there's always, uh, you know, every, there's like panic mode kicks in and, you know, God forbid, we, you know, we, we, uh, we uh, lost this thing out on the field. And it's like, look, people don't realize the field is inside the stadium wall. It's almost two and a half acres. And, you know, trying to find, it's like trying to find a needle in a, a haystack when you lose something like a diamond earring or whatever. So makes it interesting. <laughs> I bet. I mean, I, I mean, I thought just the uh, not long ago I was uh, helping coach my son's t-ball game and I thought I lost my wedding ring at, at the t-ball field. And that's just a little field. So we're not talking about a full football field. Um, but luckily, I, I just misplaced it and it was at home. Mike just, quote, misplaced it while it was at home. Yeah. okay brad uh, enough of that kids Uh, t-ball game without the wedding ring (laughs) (laughs) moving on let's uh (laughs) let's go to the uh i think the last topic that i'd like to talk about uh tony is probably your what are your most memorable uh events that happened uh for your facilities and for your field um, that had to do with weather. Um, uh, we're going to bring it up, Mike, aren't we? We're going to bring up the Super or the uh, Thursday night game. The Thursday night after we won the Super Bowl and the, and the uh, trophy. The- we're we're going we're gonna to cut. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll just pick it up from my question. <laughs> We'll let Tony answer, Brad. We're not going to talk about the the snowstorm. Yeah, we had a snowstorm that uh, I think I don't know if there was a meteorologist in the area that was anticipating that snowstorm, and you know that was very impromptu. Um, we've never dealt with snow on the field before um, in that capacity, and uh, yeah, it was uh, you know it was, we thought the snow was going to move in. After and again, this was uh, this was all. This wasn't just specific, you know, to one organization or the other. But I think it was the meteorologist, and you know, but it, it made for a very memorable game. Luckily, we won the game. Um, it was a it was fun to be part of once. I wouldn't want to do it again because it was a lot of additional work. And you know, I just remember at one point running back and forth with a shovel and a backpack blower, getting lines clear. You know, I just look at one of my guys and, you know, we're, you know, we're out of breath and we're just like huffing and puffing and, you know, it's like, man, this is a lot of work, blah, blah, blah. And here it was only middle of the first quarter. And we're both sitting there like, man, we still got three, still got it. We still got a ways to go yet. And it was like, you know what, but everybody held in there. Great. But no, I would say, you know, some of the most memorable, you know, one, you, you go back to when we, uh, that had to do with weather was the year after we won the Super Bowl, um, we hosted the the opening Thursday night game. And, uh, you know, of course, you know, Mother Nature had, uh, you know, she couldn't just let us have a nice 75-degree sunny day. Um, right around kickoff, the, the skies opened up and we had severe thunderstorms, which ended up delaying the game till about 9 o'clock. And, you know, there was a lot of going back and forth as opposed, you know, because, you know, look, it was big for the city. It was big for all all Eagles fans. And we wanted to do a couple different events leading up to that game. And there was some negotiating going back and forth because we already lost a half hour of TV time. And, you know, I think we were able to stand our ground and, you know, be able to do the ceremonies, which were deserving for everybody that had something to do with that, with that Super Bowl win. Um, you know, I, 
non-football events that uh, we get into, Taylor Swift. I mean, Taylor Swift probably had one of her most memorable concerts. And that's kind of weird to say because every concert, you know, you know, it's kind of the same. You're bouncing from city to city, playing similar set lists. You play, you get off stage, you go home. But uh, we had one concert here where, again, Mother Nature had to, had to play a part where we had lightning. Um, a nine o'clock concert, which is when she was supposed to take stage, she never took it until 11 o'clock. And, uh, and she was able to modify her set list. Um, there were elements to her show, um, like Spotlight. And, you know, again, we're trying to protect everybody. And, you know, we do have different trades that work in the building and work with these concerts and these tours. And they have safety protocols as well. Um, we knew the lightning and we could see the lightning was moving away from the stadium. Um, it was it was generally 15 miles out. As long as the people in the towers who were operating all those spotlights, if they could see lightning, they were not going up. Hey, I don't blame them one bit. Um, Taylor wanted to do, get the show kicked off. She wanted to play. The spotlight guys were like, look, we're not going to go up. So we did a show without, you know, it, and it ended up being a very fun show. It was like, I think it was memorable. Again, it was in, in impromptu uh, it was a lot of uh, adjustments that had to be made but it, it made for a fun night um it was very hectic and but it, you know again it, it all it all came off but uh you know another one was you know on christmas morning christmas day we had a we had a, a, a night game where we were playing the the raiders who were then the o oakland raiders and you know this was again this was the year we were going into the super bowl and um you know, it was December 25th and, you know, we had a storm front moving through. It was the last month of that season might've been the coldest month I've ever remembered um, working here at the stadium. Uh, every game that we've had, it seemed to, it seemed to hit a record low and this storm moved in. Luckily we didn't get snow, but we had our field tarp because it was going to be some rains moving in. So I told all my guys, you know, Hey, look, wake up, enjoy the time with your families. We'll come in around, you know, three o'clock for the uh, night game. We'll get the tarps off the field. We'll set up. Everything will be fine. Uh, the storm came in along with some heavy, heavy winds. And I looked at our security cameras online. And when I woke up and sure enough, all of our rain tarps were balled up in a corner, twisted up, tangled. And I had to make the very difficult phone call on Christmas morning to uh, let a to let a handful of guys know that I needed them sooner than later. Um, you know, again, hats off to those guys. You know, our, our grounds crew, whether they're full time or game day employees, they're our number one asset um, for us. They do a great job. They commit a lot of time, but that was definitely probably one of the hardest phone calls I had to make. It was on was on our was on a holiday was on a holiday like that and you know to, to kind of peel them away but look every they came in they we we got everything untangled and put away and we went out to win the game so well you know just to you know capitalize on that or, or just talk about that a little bit more I mean it, we kind we feel you here um, the weather never stops obviously. Um, you know, we're always dealing with that here at Weatherworks. You know, if it's a holiday, we got to forecast the weather. And, you know, I can remember a Christmas morning uh, where I got a call. He's now our uh, VP of uh, Marketing and Sales. Kevin Hoppler called me and he said, Merry Christmas, Mike, at, uh, you know, 8.30, 9 in the morning. And I'm going, this can't be good. Why are you calling me now? <laughs> you know? And I go, I go, 
so the storm offshore came back, huh? And he goes, yep, I need you in to do some forecasts. And I was just like, oh, but you know what? You know, a lot of guys got called in and we dealt with that, you know, storm and we got the forecast out on time and, you know, it all ended up good. You know, Tony, I, I, I think with that, I mean, I think we're pretty much done here. And I, and I really appreciate you coming out um, and listening or uh, talking with us here today. I mean, I think it was a really great conversation on how weather is affecting so many more things that we may think about. Yeah, thank you very much, Tony. That was excellent. Yeah, and thank you guys for everything you guys do. Um, you know, for us, whether it's you know giving us weather, you know, in an in a in another NFL city, so our players and staff can prepare, and you know we can fly out safely, and you know everything that that goes into every, you know, everything we do here. I mean, we look at that forecast every single day. And we look at it, you know, not only that day, but the next day and the next day, just so we can plan out our week. Um, it's very instrumental in every decision we make here. And I know it is a science. It's not an exact science um, as much as we all try to make it be. And, uh, you know, it's 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 definitely has its challenges, but we do appreciate everything you guys do for us. You know, I think we'll wrap it up. Thank you, everybody, who has uh, listened to this episode of the podcast. You know, remember, we have these podcasts every two weeks. We're also on social media. Look for WeatherWorks on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, all those channels. As far as this podcast, give us an uh, email over at uh, weatherlounge at weatherworksinc.com. If you drop us an email there, we can certainly go back and forth with you about any ideas you may have for the show or maybe some new guests. So thank you everybody who's listened to the show. We'll be back next time.